So Matt, we've been asked to tell people all about the new Autocar Electric podcast, brought to you in association with Audi e-tron. What can they expect to hear? Well, James, it's a new podcast from the world's leading motoring title where we'll look at every aspect of all electric driving. Will I learn more from Autocar's road test team about the newest and best electric cars and which are most fun to drive? You will. We'll also look under the metal, talking to designers and engineers from across the industry to find out more about what makes electric cars tick. But what about the bigger EV picture? Topics like charging and sustainability? Well, we'll be asking big questions of independent experts from right across the industry. And where can I find all this? It's easy. Just search your preferred podcast platform for Autocar Electric. Oh, and just one last question. Is there a charge for this plug? Oh, James. This is the Autocar Electric Podcast, brought to you in association with Audi. Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of Autocar series of EV podcasts, the Autocar Electric series. My name is Matt Pryor, Autocar's editor-at-large, and I am once again joined by contributor James Disdale as we delve into the world of EVs. James, what are we getting our teeth into this week? Hello, Matt. Uh, Well, we spent the last few episodes talking about EVs, uh, how they drive, where they fit into car culture, that sort of thing. So we thought it'd be good to sort of pull back a bit and look uh, at the bigger picture surrounding sustainability and also taking a little look into the future, uh, things like charging, uh, current energy crisis and how we might start thinking about the EV uh, as much more than simply a mode of transport. Well, so quite a lot to get our teeth into then, mate. So uh, let's get started. And uh, will you introduce this week's guest? I think, yeah, that's a very good idea. Let's do that. So this week, we're joined by Leighton King, uh, Chief Commercial Officer of Indra, a company that specialises in smart EV chargers for homes and businesses. Uh, but they're also leading the way in developing pioneering new and innovative ways to charge. Hello, Leighton. Hi, guys. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. You too. Thanks for having us. Uh, so to get started, uh, would you mind telling us um, a bit about Indra and uh, what it does? Yeah, sure. Indra is a company that makes charge points that go on your home for charging up your electric car. Um, So we're a UK company. Everything we design, engineer and manufacture is in the UK. But we make the hardware and software that basically powers your car from your home. Uh, My role is is putting the great technology that the company has been working on for some years now and bringing that to market with our our different partners. Um, Today, what that means is we're helping you reduce the cost of charging up your car um, to, to smart charge rather than just charging at, at any time uh, on any tariff. We, we will we'll help people reduce the cost of charging their car. But in future, uh, bi-directional charging, when we introduce V2G and V2H, will help you not only reduce the cost of your car charging, but it will help utilize that battery that's stored in your vehicle to reduce the cost of your home energy consumption as well. So. Just, just to explain, what uh, what is V to H and V to G? So if we think about charging um, in its simplest form, today you, you pull into your driveway, you plug your car into your charger, and in one direction from your home to your car, you charge electricity into your battery. Uh, in simple terms, our um, extension of that, if you like, is our bidirectional charging, which means that you'll just come and plug your car in the same way, but actually that energy could flow from your battery back into your house. And when we power your hot tub and your kettle and your shower and your uh, oven in your home, um, 
uh, and it doesn't go anywhere beyond that. That's what we call V to H or vehicle to home. Um, and if that electricity should make it further than your own meter and go back up to the grid, that's what we call V to G or vehicle to grid. And what's the advantage of that, Leighton? Is that a cost thing for the for the end consumer or is that, uh, I, I hear the sort of phrase, balancing of uh, balancing of demand or something like that. Is that it tells us a bit more about it. That's, yeah, that's right. So look, this can get, um, uh, on the technical side, it can get very technical. I, I like to think of it really more on the, um, vehicle owner or vehicle driver side or the homeowner side rather and what it basically means is you know today we can help um, people optimize the cost or the impact of the on the grid of, of when you decide to charge your car so in simple terms you've got a peak and an off-peak tariff and if we come home from work as we all do uh, between four and seven o'clock in the evening we park in our driveway plug our car in uh, if we all start charging our cars at that point then uh, imagine we all had electric cars. That would be a really significant load for the grid to handle it. And ultimately, it wouldn't be able to handle it. So our smart charging um, software and hardware is about trying to schedule the points when the car charges up to either be um, off-peak times when it's um, most easily handled by the grid, or if you've got a tariff which actually costs you less money when you're charging off-peak, to optimize it against the cost of charging but ultimately it's about simplifying it so you still come home and plug your car in uh, and and behind the scenes the software and the, the logic will actually choose when to deploy energy into your car depending on on a number of different things which are happening but that that can give great benefits to the grid things called things like the balancing mechanism and flex trading things that happen upstream of your home with your energy market and the energy companies are constantly trying to balance you know the those huge loads on the grid so our hardware and software will help um, the grid achieve that um, but also maybe share some of the benefits of some of those charging through energy tariffs or through rewards with, with the the homeowner or, or car user so that that simply is is kind of smart charging what bi-directional charging does is extend that even further and say if there's a if for example I come home between four and seven o'clock and I've got 20% of my battery left in my car. Um, and and that, that's the same time that everyone comes home from school every day. So it's a really peak time for the grid and potentially a very expensive time to consume energy from the grid if we if we start having tariff changes where, where peak times are charged a lot more. Then what I can do is I can take that remaining sort of 10 or 20% of the battery that's left in my car and send it back into my home. So I'm not drawing anything from the grid during peak time. And I'm just using the, the energy that I charged last night for a very low cost that's still a little bit left in my car and i and i use my uh, my my battery in my car to power my my oven and and kettle uh, or christmas dinner or whatever it is um and 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 i can delay my charging uh, until later on you know two three four o'clock in the morning um overnight um because my charge point will know that i actually don't need to use my car again until say six o'clock in the morning uh when i need it topped up and, and therefore, the, uh, the new energy coming back to me is, is at a lower cost and, and also at a time when the grid is much happier to supply me with that. Uh, so it, it, it's about making that sort of two-way exchange of energy to help not only balance and help the grid cope, but also potentially to save people you know, a lot of money. And can it do that with... Because um, obviously you've got grid energy, 
Um, can this, is it possible to work yeah. out whether the car can use renewables to charge as well? Does it know when the grid's using renewables? Yeah. And even, I guess, if people have solar panels, can it deal with that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So there is, um, you know, there's sort of a number of different schedules which which you, you know, as the end user or, or even your energy company could choose to set your charging events um, alongside. So let's say there's a time um, when there is a lot of renewable power coming into the grid. Uh, and if that information is shared um, through your tariff with with, uh, uh, with homeowners, then you can choose what times to only charge when renewables are being, um, you know, uh, renewable energy is is in a surplus, let's say. If it's been really hot or really windy on a particular day, sometimes the grid has an excess of energy which can be, um, you know, shared with, with, with people that, that accept that surplus. Um, but of course, like exactly like you say, there's a, there's a lot of solar power going onto people's roofs, uh, a lot of micro-generation, as you call it, mainly through solar. And if you've got uh, solar capability in your home, you can use you can send all of that energy uh, into your car, so effectively charging for free um, by just using your solar power. And do you have to presumably at some at some point you have to tell your car when you're gonna or your charger or whatever when you're when you're gonna want to use your car and how much how complex is the sort of software that people have to set up at home? That's right. It's it's pretty simple really. So you've got a, a few options, but the most popular one is that you uh, on my app uh, with my car at home, I'd simply say during the week, I want my car ready by six o'clock in the morning. And during the weekends, I want it ready by nine o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, irrespective of how much um, battery is left when I come home the night before, um, my charge point will always know that it, it, yeah. it can charge or not charge however much it wants to overnight, as long as it's ready by that time. And, and you can also say, I only need 30% of my battery. Or I need a hundred percent. In terms of the technology and the, the sort of bi-directional nature of it, as I understand it, I think is it Chadamo can do bi-directional at the moment. So that's Nissan Leafs. What about CCS? Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. So we're um, Indra's one of the first uh, businesses that's working next year with a number of partners, some car companies, um, actually some motorbike companies. We've just done a, a, a UK Innovate project with Norton Motorbikes. Um, and the, all of these projects are about bringing the CCS protocol into bi-directional charging. So Chadamo is a lot quicker out there in the market to to state what the um, effectively the language and the protocol uh, was was to be. CCS is is now finally out, and that will be introduced really next year, so that you know most of those European cars as well can start to benefit from from V to H or V to G technology. So yeah, really that, exciting. Will that be on cars made or registered after that time, or can it be? Does that then apply to to cars that already have CCS chargers on? Um, so we're talking most car companies out there, as 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 you guys will probably know, most car brands out there are are very keen to introduce bi-directional charging, you know, mm. on their on their sort of next generation. So we're talking to most of the car companies about how and when and which versions um, will be ready to adopt that. I think the, the answer is that it will be staggered and it'd be slightly different for a lot of different brands. But, um, you know, I, I would hope that some of those brands will allow, you know, either either software updates or, or certain updates, maybe at service intervals and dealership for some of the more recent brands and, and others might restrict it to, you know, specific car launches that happen over the next few years. Um, 
for our part, um, any any car that is compliant with the CCS bi-directional protocol, let's say, not to get too technical, then our, then our hardware and software will work. So it's really all about when, when OEMs decide to, car companies decide to introduce that on, on their own platforms. And is there any question as to whether it makes any difference to the uh, overall sort of lifespan of a battery? I mean, is it is it good for it that it could be kept a bit warmer and is doing stuff more often or... Is it Absolutely. bad for it that it's so? Yeah, great question. So you're you're right. One of the um, one of the concerns that some people have when we talk about bidirectional charging is that there's a, a concern that it might might negatively affect you know the the, the degradation in the battery. Um, we recently did a trial with Nissan um, and and Ovo Energy, a, a big trial bidirectional trial of around a thousand people over just over a year. And what we we showed, the data showed through there was that bi-directional charging compared to normal unidirectional charging, actually, although it's quite marginal, slightly improves the life of the battery. Now, careful to say it doesn't actually improve it, but compared to charging uh, in a unidirectional way, it, it seems um, better for the battery. And the reason for that is that um, we understand that things that affect battery degradation the most are, are sustained periods at zero uh, percent or at a hundred percent, and also the, the rate and the speed at which you charge. So, with smart charging and in particular with bidirectional charging, bidirectional charging for us is a maximum of eleven kilowatt speed, so actually relatively slow compared to the, some of the rapid charges you get on motorway services and what have you. Um, and also because you're constantly charging or discharging slightly uh, the state of charge in the battery, what it means is your charging behavior is normally quite slow, which is good. And all, and you very rarely got times at 100% or 0%. So although it's it's in the margins, it's actually marginally better um, okay. bi-directional charging, which is great. So in terms of what's next, because talking about using the car as an energy store for your home, and I guess this can extend to businesses as well. Um, I think I've heard Indra and a few other companies talking about V2X, which is vehicle to everything. Is is that right? That's right, James. So if we just get ahead of ourselves slightly and give you an insight into the sort of the vision that we've got about how this technology might start to just change our, our lives and change the way that we think about car ownership and energy consumption generally. Like I said, today we're helping people just understand that optimizing the time that you decide to charge and how you charge your vehicle at home, you can save a significant amount of money. So if we extend that beyond people's homes and you imagine that now every day I go to work, I understand that I can, you know, if I'm on an 8p per kilowatt tariff or a 10 pence per kilowatt tariff, you know, that means I can charge my my 70 kilowatt battery in my car for five pounds rather than £25 if you're on a standard variable rate, or even you know £70 if you've got a 70 kilowatt battery and you're on a rapid charger. So once we all become much more familiar with, with how to optimise the cost and the times to charge, we then take our bi-directional technology outside of the home and say, take today for example, I'm in London today. I got the 638 train up to London this morning. I'll get the 535 train home. That means that my car is sat at the train station for around 12 hours. And I only live 10 minutes from the train station. So I probably only need, you know, um, 20 miles of battery. 
um, maximum to get home. So I could give the train station 90% of my battery energy back during the day today. All I do is plug into my V2X charger at the train station. And if every car in the car park did that, there's a big multi-story car park at my train station. If those three, 400 cars all did that one day in the future, that train station, during the peak cost and the peak demand time for the grid, that train station could be completely off-grid, just operating on the battery that's being passed back from the car park. And imagine if every train station in the country during the day gave, uh, removed itself from the grid. You know, my season ticket for my train, uh, my car parking, my train can cost up to a thousand pounds if I'm in London or not. And even if that, that, that train station just gave me free car parking to do that, it's really well, it's a big benefit to everyone. And that, that same technology, that's the technology that we've got today um, that, we, that, we can, that we can do that on. Imagine if, imagine if I worked in a factory and I could, and I could take the same method where I, I work just a few miles from home and, um, and every car in the, in, the, in the staff car park plugged in into its V2X charger and the factory could be taken off the grid. Imagine if all of the factories in the country could be taken off the grid. And all that's happening is we're all just going to work and plugging our cars in. And, 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 you know, those sort of longer dwell time type destination, you know, workplace, train stations, airports is an interesting one where you might be away for a couple of weeks. Uh, those types of places, we believe that our technology could really start to transform how we think about cars or vans as being a bit more like a battery on four wheels, which is a big, very big mobile power source that you can help sort of trade energy and balance through peak and off peak for everyone's benefit. And you mentioned um, a minute ago, the, the fact that you, that electricity changes uh, charges could differ throughout the day with peak and off peak. I mean, most domestic tariffs now will have a, a peak and an off peak, but are you expecting that to become as demand grows for that sort of scheme to become uh more advanced more complex with with more times of peak slash off peak and very different charges to what we have now is that a a sort of vibe you're getting yeah i think so I, i think the signals are very much that there will be um you know more more flexibility um during the day during any day when there's there's lots of demand or or a lot less demand and we expect probably prices to maybe follow that. Um, so there are there are tariffs out there today that change, you know, every half hour in terms of what you pay for electricity. Um, there are others that do a simple peak and off peak. Um, and and I think that you know we'll all become much more familiar and aware of the cost of energy, the cost of electricity, particularly, and and perhaps when to consume it. And you know, working with our energy companies and potentially the grid um, to think more carefully about when we choose to consume if we have a choice like if your car's parked up for 12 hours uh, if we have a choice then there's perhaps something that 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 we can do to help make the right choice and then share that benefit you know whether it's money or whether it's rewards or something but yeah absolutely i i think that there there needs to be a, a greater technology help for people to choose when they consume electricity and that's definitely where where indra sees its role and is the grid engaged with uh, 
with en- with different energy suppliers on this kind of kind of thing as as the move to EVs grows and you know national grid is very confident that it can meet the demand and everything but will managing does it have to work with suppliers so that it so that it knows when that demand's coming and so on and so forth yeah so i mean ultimately yes in the end i mean the, the end you know the, the sort of quite complex energy market uh, uh, a lot, a, a through our home uh, and and then through to all the different um you know things that consume energy in our homes and and cars you know that is a very complex combination of things which in the end all need to start to be a bit more harmonized and i would say that um today if what we call vehicle to home v to h where you're you're not really passing any energy past your meter point you're really just using energy in your car to power your kettle and your and your shower and your oven you know that's a much simpler way of introducing this technology once you begin to have a dependency on the you know your energy company and the and the grid and the distribution network operators and the rest of the energy market need to come together i think you know we we believe that it will take a little longer for all of those different business models and different businesses to be aligned so that this is really scalable but today you know our, our founder uh uh, Mike Schooling, whose house has become a little bit of a living lab, to be honest, for some of this technology, he's doing this today. You know, he's got uh, as as many of our trial partners uh, are doing. You know, today, local optimization, just powering things in your home from your car battery, um, and he's seeing around two hundred pounds a month, two hundred pounds a month of a saving compared to what he would uh, yeah. spend with his, his his usual energy consumption at home. And that, and that includes him charging up his car to use it. Um, so it, it's really, uh, it's really exciting. I think it's, mm. it's real today. You know, you can make it work today on today's tariffs with today's cars, uh, and and although that's quite narrow, ultimately it will just broaden out over time. And in the end, you know, certainly the people, uh, certainly the grid and the energy companies are very engaged today. But just recognition that it will take some of those models to change, they will change a little slower. And does it? Sorry, James. I know I'm monopolising all the questions here. Um, like, does it? Does it take a different piece of equipment or different hardware to do uh, vehicle to my house and vehicle to the grid? Um, no. So our, our um, we, we've got in simple terms, there, there's two types of chargers. One which is one way, which is our normal smart charger that we sell today, and the other is is bidirectional. So if whether you're whether you're actually doing a V to H optimization just for your home. Or whether in the future it's V to G, it's just one bi-directional piece of hardware. So it's the same box, you know, that you you, you put on on put on your house. Yeah. So obviously, this technology exists now. This can be done. Um, when you say CCS is coming along next year, are you expecting to see a big uptake then? Because I mean, this this sounds like a bit of a no-brainer, really, doesn't it? Given the current energy crisis uh, and the increased intake uh, uptake exactly. of EVs and what what is it 90 percent of people charge at home is that right that's exactly right i mean there's you know um 90 of us i think do less than 30 miles a day which means that we indra think that, that about 90 percent of your if you can charge at home 90 percent of your miles that you do could be charged from home and i think you're right although a lot of current ev owners do charge at home actually it's quite a low number that that have you know, good time of use, peak and off peak tariffs and, 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 and our kind of, you know, smart charging 
black belts, if you like. That that actually still needs to has a lot of room, I think, for improvement. You can you can reduce the cost of your your energy definitely today um, by by just optimizing your charging a little more. So that you know, there's a long way I think to go, but I think it will happen quite quickly of people just really understanding how to how to smart charge in a unidirectional, one directional way. But yeah, on the bi-directional stuff, James, we're um, we're still in a trial phase. Um, so we're working to prove out our current hardware and software. We've just launched, or early this year, we launched the largest V to H trial in the world. Um, those installations are, are happening um, and, and they will continue to happen through the first half of next year. And what that is, is that's really lots of different types of families and, and EV drivers and, uh, and commuters are all engaging in our trial so that we can understand you know where are the where are the really um, good wins where are the big savings and how would we bring this this technology to market properly uh, and the reason we're doing that is because some of those uh, more sort of salesy and marketing and, and, and general end user um, benefits need to be proven out but also it gives our r d team our engineering uh, colleagues a bit more time to prove out the CCS technology, as you've said, which will take most of next year, and to also work on some of the other components um, to take it beyond prototype and, and really genuinely be be market ready for us to put a three or five year warranty on it, which is what we do with our our current unidirectional. So I would say, by the end of next year, you know we're getting we're getting pretty close to to car companies and uh, and companies like us offering it much more widely. And you you said something earlier that piqued my interest when you mentioned motorbikes and Norton motorcycles in particular. <laughs> ah. uh, you, what more could you tell me about about that? I'm aware motorbikes have a smaller battery, but are presumably not used as frequently as cars are. Is there what's different about the motorbike stuff to the car stuff? Yeah, great. Well, you're right. Norton are, Norton are really quite progressive in this area, uh, a little bit like mm-hmm. us. So we've partnered with them on a um, a UK uh, Innovate UK grant, which is about establishing uh, a good CCS connection. So the Norton, the Norton bike is is on a CCS protocol, which is the first um, sort of um, trial example of us proving that technology out, which would be great. Um, but you're right. The good thing about motorbikes is if we're thinking about a battery on, on four wheels or rather in this instance two wheels, um, it's effectively saying you don't need a home battery. Why not use the one that you've already bought that's part of your bike or part of your car? And the great thing about bikes is quite often they're used, you know, occasionally, and very and parked parked up a lot. So that ability to charge up the battery's bike, uh, uh, the bike's battery, and to discharge it, you know, regularly through the course of the week to try and optimize, you know, the cost and the is, you know, it's a great use case. Uh, and, yeah. and I think Norton see a lot of their um, EV customers seeing that opportunity that they're they're buying a, a bike that they love, but it's actually it's a battery on two wheels that why wouldn't they rather than buy a home battery? Yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense, doesn't it? James, I reckon we've got time for one more if you've got if you've got a mate, and then I shall wrap us up. Well, I, no, I was merely going to expand on what you've just uh, the, the motorbike thing. Uh, obviously, I'm not quite as much a fan as you, but uh, the um, <laughs> I, we touched on it last time when we talked about classic cars. Uh, that's another example, I guess, isn't it, of a vehicle that's been converted to electrification that spends a lot of its time parked mm-hmm. in a garage. Um, as you say, why why do you need to buy a power wall or something like that when you've got that energy store That's right. parked in the garage during the week and only coming out on weekends? 
And, you know, I, I think that's why we see, you know, motorbike manufacturers, car companies, and, and actually we're doing a similar thing with, with boats in the marine industry uh, that are uh, another good example of things that reside in the same place for quite a long time and sometimes don't get used for long periods. You know, the cost of buying these vehicles or these, um, you know, your second car or your, your bike at the weekend, the cost of these things is all going up, you know, and how think about fleet operators and how, how, how large van fleets think about their total cost of ownership and their utilization of their of that really quite expensive asset and the life of it. The fact that we've now got this battery that resides in it that you've already bought and paid for means that you can completely change the total cost of ownership model. You can completely change your whole rationale and and how you think about, you know, how to use that thing that traditionally, you know, cars, they sit on a drive, they sit in the car, then the work car park, they depreciate and the utilization of, of, of those um, vehicles is quite low uh, in terms of, you know, they're not used 24 hours a day. Whereas actually now we can turn that on its head and say, do you know what? You can have that as a really valuable asset to not only reduce your costs of, of your energy consumption overall, but also start to make a really positive impact and, and help, you know, the kind of the carbon impact of generating electricity at peak time versus balancing it out and making it much more level across not just our homes but everywhere and that that's how we think that that that, that, that those current vendors of these vehicles and and what have you are, are really thinking differently now about the fact that bi-directional charging offers that completely different perspective do you think this is so it's probably a last question i think do you think uh that that this bi-directional case is the thing that could swing later adopters to evs because you because with all the other arguments you make towards them and then you can go but also it can do this is it something that changes people's minds i i believe a hundred percent that it will not only really think make people think about the benefit of owning an ev rather than perhaps a, a normal combustion engine car but it will probably drive people towards a particular type of ev if if, if some introduce it sooner or better than than others honestly you know, the, the, if, if you wanted the, the macro um, economics or things going on in the world to align, you know, in a more perfect way, you couldn't ask for more than, than right now. We're all spending and becoming much more tuned in to cost of electricity, but also the impact that we're having on air quality and the need to accelerate adoption of EV. But the fact that it's really expensive and it can't be for everybody right now, this technology means that if Mike in his house, in the living lab, in a really kind of prototypey way, today can save two hundred pounds a month, mm. that changes it for everybody. Um, yeah. And you know, there's there's a lot of work to do over the next sort of twelve eighteen months to really kind of refine those models and make it kind of come to life in dealership, you know, and come to life as something that's really accessible, really affordable, and really well integrated with your your home energy bill. But we're making great strides on that, and I'm confident in 12, 18 months' time, it will definitely be a big factor in which car you choose uh, and whether you decide to make a change or not. Super. Thank you. Leighton King, Chief Commercial Officer of Indra, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Uh, James Disdale, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for listening at home or in the car or wherever you are. Uh, you can find other podcasts on the Autocar channel. Uh, I present one called My Week in Cars. Uh, you can find Autocar at autocar.co.uk on digital subscription and, of course, in print as it has been every week since 1895. See you next time.